Okay, we are going to get an interview with a very exciting, I'm excited to have a guest in here. She is a part of the Richard Schmitz Lecture. She was invited to campus, and they always bring the top-notch business folks because it's through the College of Business. And they have brought in a lady who owns a candy business, which just thrills me because, well, number one, I love candy. <laughs> and number two, I just think it's cool. It's a, a, a woman and veteran-owned business. And Christine Lantinen graduated from Minnesota State University back in 98. Good morning, Christine. Good morning. Christine, so- it's so great to have you on the, the, the radio. How is it back? Because you graduated from here in 1998, and now you're back on campus. I love being back on campus. Um, I fortunately am on the foundation board uh, for Minnesota State Mankato. uh, So I've had the pleasure over the last year and a half to get back to the school more than I had been for a number of years. So it's a pleasure to be back today. I'm here with my husband and my kids and we got a beautiful tour of the campus and just fun to see all the changes and updates uh, being made all the time. Yeah. How has it changed since you have been gone that long? Well, I hate to start with Starbucks, but I am a really big (laughs) Starbucks fan. (laughs) And that was one of our first stops this morning. So a perk um, for sure. Uh, And just seeing the new buildings going up, um, you know, again, being a part of the foundation board, kind of knowing of things coming down the pipeline and just it's been such a pleasure to, to really kind of reunite with the school more through the foundation board and, and through this event. So um, just a true pleasure being a part of all of it. Well, tell me about when you were a student back before you graduated in 98. Did you have any idea that you would graduate to own your own company one day? No idea. Uh, what were you thinking back then? <laughs> what First of all, what did you major in and what were you thinking would be your big dream then? I wanted to be famous, I think, which is maybe the aspiration of many college students. Yeah. Like, I just want to be famous. That's that's what I want, um, which, you know, we're not there yet. <laughs> but it's fun to have those aspirations. Um, but you didn't care what it was. Like, I wanted to be Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. And yeah. that never happened, obviously. <laughs> but you wanted yes. to in wasn't singing it was what whatever didn't matter huh I uh, graduated in marketing and public relations I actually started in nursing I was a medic in the army I joined the army went to basic training when I was 17 years old and um, served in the army for 10 years as a medic so it seemed like a natural thing to go into the medical field and I started there and I didn't do very well and I actually um, through the programs on campus did the testing to kind of see where I scored high and that was really helpful for me and marketing and public relations were two things that were high scoring for me. I changed my major, graduated with honors, um, getting a major in both public relations and marketing and just realized I was, you know, in the field that I was meant to be in. Um, you know, starting Mod Borup was not, uh, or buying Mod Borup, I should say, was not planned. I actually was let go from my job on a Friday. What what kind of job was that before? It was a food gift company, and I was doing sales there. Okay. And just told they couldn't afford my position, oh. you know, let me go on a Friday. I got home. And I mean, that must have been a big blow, wasn't it? It was I mean, a big blow. Because you're one of your first jobs. Yeah, love love what I was doing in my, you know, mid to late 20s, and um, single, you know, supporting myself. And um, that night I called the owners of Mod Borup and I asked them to meet for coffee the next day. 
and essentially over coffee the next day ha- had come up with a plan to buy the brand from the current owners. And Monday I was contacting buyers I had worked with in the industry saying, okay, I'm going out on my own. I'm doing this. Like that, um, that happening to me was my kick to start my own business. And I had $20,000 in the bank and I said, "Wow, I'm gonna burn through this money <laughs> and see what I can build with, yeah. with what I have. Well, let's talk about what is Mod Borup. It isn't yes. a common household name yet. No. We're working on it because she wants to be famous for it. So yes, exactly. Mod Borup, tell us about it and what do you do, where yes. are you at, all those sorts of things. Uh, so Maud uh, started the company in 1907, really a woman pioneer. She came from one of the wealthiest families in the state of Minnesota and married one of the, the wealthiest men. So started making candies at home. And was uh, this in La Center? Where no, she was? this was in St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, okay. So really big uh, around St. Paul. Um, it was at every high-end wedding. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a candy counter. So people would come in or they'd have their specialty chocolates that they would order and get. Um, so really bought a historic candy brand. And my background was really in food gifting. And I saw opportunities within the gifting space to bring higher end. What does that mean, food gifting? Does it mean like gift packages of food? Or I guess yeah. I'm not clear what, what exactly that means. It is. It's um, it's usually seasonal space that changes. <sighs> okay. Um, and bringing in icons on the packaging, things that speak to the seasons. So there's many items within the candy and sugar space that could end up as a food gift. So you're just kind of catering to the seasons within okay. that space. All right. So how does a college person just out of college get end up with $20,000, though? I mean, most students are drowning in debt and lucky. I mean, because I don't know how old you were when you, when you right. bought this company, but it just sounds like a, a crazy story. Yeah, I um, I worked through, throughout college full time, so was working in retail 44 hours a week. Oh. I had my Army Reserve training, um, and I went to school full time. So, you know, put myself through school and, and didn't come out with a lot of debt. The Army helped to pay off school loans, so that $20,000 was really wow. kind of what I had after after school. Well, that is pretty impressive because <laughs> Thank you, you know a lot a lot of people would not be in that position to at that young age. So you were from uh, rural Minnesota, correct? Yes, La Center is my hometown. Um, we love that we started our first factory there so about eight years ago. Gosh, are we going on a little longer than that? Nine. Um, opened our first factory there. We've done numerous additions at that facility, and we have uh, about uh, get up to about 250 employees there. So our head count across our three manufacturing facilities is at about 350 right now. So what, what year were, did you actually start when you bought the company? Yes, yeah, so that was 2005. I bought it. Okay. And how big was it then? It was in St. Paul. Yes, so really was starting over. So the brand, um, I acquired the uh, brand and the rights to the use of the brand and the history, but I didn't buy any equipment. So the the partners that I bought the brand from continued to manufacture the product for me. So I contract manufactured with them. And that was the first couple of years of business, just not having a lot of cash flow myself. Um, I used contract manufacturers. And then as we saw pieces of business that were growing for us, we invested in that equipment and brought it in-house. So 
Uh, about nine years ago, we started our first manufacturing facility in La Center. So you moved actually from the, the St. Paul location down to La Center. And that's a, that's a neat thing, too, because a lot of people want to be in the big cities, but you chose to go in rural Minnesota. What made you do that? Uh, my hometown. Uh, we, you know, we still live in Plymouth, and we have a corporate office in Plymouth. Um, and we have a manufacturing uh, facility in Plymouth, and then we have a manufacturing facility in Delafield, Wisconsin. But the first facility being in La Center was definitely my roots being there. I'm fifth generation farmer's daughter. Uh, my dad actually saw the building, knew we were looking, and he's like, Chris, I think I found your building. And um, looked in the window, and I'm like, yeah, th- this is it, Dad. And just all the amazing things that come with being in a town where you've grown up is uh, I was talking with my dad about moving a dock door one day and I said you know I don't know if that farmer would like us backing in his field and my dad put his arm around me and he said that's actually my field Chris so I think you're good (laughs) oh that's great (laughs) so I'm like this is why we're here because um, it's family and just um, you know someone I graduated with is one of our top people at our facility. So there's just the trust of knowing these people really and their families for a long time that gives us a comfort level, especially when we're not on site every day, that they just care, you know, about our business and they're invested in what we're doing. Well, let's talk about what Mod Borup does. You have products. So what are your products? I know it's candy. Right. But let's talk about so people can sure picture what you do. Yes, uh, we have 150 products. So we're different than a lot of people where they may make one or two things. Um, We have really three core pillars of business, which is chocolate, uh, cotton candy, and then we're getting into gummy manufacturing. So our facilities are segregated by type of product. Okay. Um, Within chocolate, the biggest items would be peppermint bark. So like the layered peppermint bark that you get in a giftable tin, as an example. We do a lot of chocolate enrobed products, including pretzel rods. So really any kind of topping and any kind of sprinkle. We do a lot of hand touching where we maybe add eyes to a white pretzel rod and we make it look like a mummy. So we love like making things feel special and hand touched. Mm -hmm. Um, Within cotton candy, we, uh, oh, I forgot, hot cocoa bombs. Oh, One of our biggest items within chocolate. Don't want to forget about that. really become like a big thing lately. Huge. Uh, We invested over $7 million this year just in a really automated hot cocoa bomb line. So the line sits in 10,000 square feet. It's it's a pretty massive piece of equipment. So we're just getting that set up right now at our Center facility. So it's been a two-year project and really excited to see it come to life. But you said you employ 350 people. That's really a huge thing for the economy of La Center, I would imagine. Yes, not all of those employees are in La Center. Um, but yes, we love that we're one of the larger employees in the cities, uh, or in the in the city, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just again, getting involved in a community that did so much for me growing up is just so special to us. It's It's great. Um, I was starting to get into cotton candy, so yes. what we do there, um, you know, a lot of people just do like cherry and blue raspberry uh, yes. basic in a tub. So we're known for things like a cotton candy burrito. Oh. So it's like cherry, cotton candy, blue raspberry, cotton candy laid out on top. It's got marshmallows, jelly beans, and then you roll it up like a burrito and put it in a bag as one example. So how do we really... Um, kind of push the boundaries of this space and do new and innovative things. Uh, We just came out with a cotton candy layer cake, which is five layers of cotton candy, all flavored like cake. 
Um, and then you actually take the top off and you cut it with a serrated knife and you can serve it like a piece of cake. Oh, my so gosh. It's, well, it's awesome. <laughs> well, so you must you are high end candy then. Yes. So I, you're not I, selling like out of a vending machine. It's it's interesting. No, no vending machines. But we do serve customers from, you know, Neiman Marcus to Dollar. Um, And it's really catering to the needs of those customers with the product and just being careful of the positioning of those products. I would say within mass, we typically are the best of the good, better, best scenario. Um, Just, you know, premium products being important to us, really, um, you know, natural colors and flavors whenever possible. Um, We're B Corp certified, so really important to us to... Um, you know, be conscious of our manufacturing environment, how we treat our people, um, how do we give back to the community, um, and just looking into new things even within chocolate, like fair trade as like a potential new thing that we go after that just kind of aligns with that giving back um, story that we, we tell. Now, you mentioned B Corp. I don't know that most people have ever heard of that. So what is B Corp? I know it's an honor to be that because there are not that many businesses or companies worldwide that hold that distinction. Yes. So it's balancing people, purpose, and profits. Um, So it's not just looking at the bottom line, but looking at, um, you know, the purpose of your company, what you're doing, and how you treat your employees. And, um, you know, really Karen Edwards, who's standing behind you, is the woman that made that happen for us at Mod Borup. Um, two people before couldn't get it done. And I'm like, Karen, I need you. So how, how, <laughs> this how is how a big one, project. How does one do that? Yeah. That, I yeah. Mean, I feel like she should come take a seat. A lot of work and time and direction and um, hurting cats, as we say, right? Just getting getting everybody on the same page. Um, we had to look at policies. You know, what is our breastfeeding policy? Do we have a space where women can breastfeed and feel safe? Is there a fridge in, in the space? Um, do they have access to a sink? So just things that our three facilities were doing, but maybe we weren't doing it exactly right and or we weren't documenting what we were doing. So we needed to write policies. I think that was a lot of of um, that certification is kind of taking what we may have been doing this way at this facility and a little different somewhere else and really writing a corporate policy of how we want to um, you know, act in certain situations and what we believe is right. Well, that's what it says. I was just looking at the, the, the paper from your site. It talks about, about B Corp. B Corporations are businesses that meet high standards of social and environmental performance, transparency and accountability to balance people and purpose with profit. B Corps are accelerating a global shift to redefine business success and build a more inclusive, sustainable economy. And I see that there, it also says you are one of only 5,000 around the world that hold such a distinctive distinctive, uh, distinction, and it's a notable honor awarded to companies like yourself. So that's pretty exciting. Now, does it take a long time to get that, and and how important was it to attain that? Yes, it took us about two years to to get it done. There was a lot we were doing from a sustainability standpoint uh, already. We definitely, uh, core value-wise, believe in recycling um, and reusing everything that we can. Um, But B Corp even pushed us a bit farther to obtain 0% landfill waste at all three of our manufacturing facilities. Whoa, wait a minute. How did you do that? uh, Yes, just really um, even putting cameras in to see like things that were happening. um, Because, 
you know, when you have that many people, someone may put the car- garbage somewhere thinking it's in the right spot, but they don't know where it's ending up. So, um, you know, labeling bins really clearly, um, ensuring that team members know the recycling in that area, because every facility is different when it comes to recycling. Um, some you can combine certain materials, others you need to separate it out. So really marking bins and educating team members is the best way um, to do that. How about packaging? Was that a part you've looked at? You know, when we talk about packaging, some things have so much packaging nowadays, and they say that's where a lot of the waste comes from. Definitely. Packaging plays a huge role. um, And in servicing the masses even, so much is about the visual presentation of the product on shelf. So you know, if you're coming in with a little bit smaller package because you believe in sustainability, but the other guy has a box that's 20% bigger, right. they may get the skew. So you're having to always balance those things um, out. But we put recycling symbols on all of our packaging and everything that we have uh, is recycled. There's like um, some inner film that we do that's like a laminated texture that gets a little bit tricky, like it's a recyclable product, but certain areas don't don't take it. I mean, you can get really in the weeds with this stuff, but as you can hear, uh, we care a lot about it, and mm-hmm. we're definitely always digging into our materials and what we're using to ensure they're ending up in recycled streams and or can we buy be buying a recycled, you know, plastic or partially recycled paper um, based on the type of the product. But you have zero going into the landfill? Yes. So that's leaving our facility. So everything leaving is either um, getting recycled or um, uh, we compact what would be considered waste and it's used to heat homes at our La Center facility. So we actually have a huge compactor on site that compacts what would be waste and that is used to heat homes in the area. That's amazing. It is. I want to ask you how you you mentioned you were a farm girl. I'm a farm girl as well. How did that play into what you felt was important in terms of your values? Definitely. Um, being a farmer's daughter, I always say the I look at the weather differently than anyone yes. else. <laughs> like rain could mean crying in our house or it could mean happiness. Um, and it it gives you this kind of different connection with, I think, the earth and the environment. Um, so just you know, always being conscious of what does the future look like for our children um, has to be the, the the vision of what you do because we're we're leaving an earth behind to them, and what is that going to look like for them? Well, you know, in my case was too. You you have the land and you are the the caretaker of the land and you want to do the best you can because it's something that you want to last for generations. And mm-hmm. it sounds like you have that same definitely. So so are you actually on part of your family farm? Then you mentioned it abutted. A field it did. or something. I don't know if our actual building was oh, okay. land that my dad owned because he did sell a chunk of that t- back to the city years ago. And I didn't ask him um, about it, but it, it makes me wonder. But definitely um, my great-great-grandfather came over from Ireland during the Great Potato Famine and settled a homestead in Lesseur County. So have a great history and a lot of family uh, in and around La Center and Lesseur County and um you know, there's just all the good things that come along with that. Um, that's that's beautiful. Another thing that I feel, and I might be wrong, you correct me if I'm wrong, but coming from a family farm, you also have made this into a family business. And, and in the studio, you can't see it, obviously, because it's radio, but we have your son, your daughter, and your husband here. And so are they all involved in this 
business? Yes, they are. I, and I always say, you know, especially when I was young and I started the business when I was in my late 20s or early 30s, and people realized I was a president of a company, I would often get asked, you know, was it your family business? Sure. Like it had Did you been, inherit it? It had been handed down. Yeah. Um, and I say we reverse engineered it into a family business. So um, bought this old brand and then started bringing family members in. So, you know, Randy and my mom were like employee number, you know, three and four for us. Um, my kids worked in the business this summer making cotton candy. So my son Bishop uh, actually worked at our Plymouth factory uh, on the line a couple days uh, this summer and with his friends and they want to come back. So that's a good sign. Can you see him smiling? He's so excited. Bishop, would you go to the microphone, please? I just wanted to ask, how how was it? You, you can pull it toward you there. So, Bishop, how, how old are you, first of all? Uh, I am 14. You're 14 years old. And you're already working in your family's company. Tell me what you did. Um, well, I was packaging stuff, and uh, that's 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 basically it. I was just packaging a bunch of stuff, different cotton candy, different pretzels, just doing a whole bunch of stuff like that. Well, tell me, how does it how does it feel working for your mom? Um, it is. It's a unique feeling because <laughs> it's it's my it's my parents. Like it's it's surreal. Yeah. Well, ha all right. Then I'm going to ask you this one. What is your favorite candy that your Mod Borup creates that you really, really like? The unique flavors of cotton candy, probably. Can you tell us some of those flavors? Because I'm not, you know, I don't know. I just, you know, raspberry and the usual stuff. The Unicorn Dream was probably my favorite. I don't know exactly what's in it, but <laughs> it's, I really liked it. Okay. Mom, dude, what's Unicorn Dream? It's our organic line that oh, we wow. have. So that ends up on QVC or uh, really? like higher end customers carry it. Um, it's vegan. Uh, it actually is a raspberry flavor. And then we put crushed candies in it. But it's it's all natural. Um, and I'm glad he picked the, the healthy one, the healthy one of the cotton oh, candy options. Yes. <laughs> so so you, you actually like working? Do you think one day maybe you want to be a part of the business? Or have you are you too young yet at, at what, 14 to decide that? I don't know exactly, but I think I will probably continue my parents' business. Okay, very good. Thank you for chatting with us, Bishop. And your daughter, what is your name again? Mia. Mia, you can talk in that one too. Mia, you worked at your family's business too. Tell me what you did at the business. Uh, I worked in the testing kitchen. What does one do in a testing kitchen? Uh, I helped. Uh, do you get to, to like, taste stuff? Yeah. <gasps> wow. Um, and you kind of like... What do you do? <laughs> uh, she was Chef Jessica's right hand. So we have a chef that is full-time at our corporate office, and Mia was her assistant. So really learning really valuable skills this so, summer was great. Mia, what's your favorite candy that your your company produces? Uh, I like the like the pretzel rods with the chocolate Oh, okay. It. Yeah. They're just good. <laughs> so, all right. So we've got a flavor. And Randy, does Randy have any favorites? The husband. Randy's the husband here. You could talk in there, Randy. Yeah. Um, no, I guess I don't have any real favorites. Uh, I mean, I produce all of it. so. Oh, you do? I work really closely with it, and sometimes I don't want to see any of it anymore because oh. <laughs> in, in my job, it's um, operations. So I have to make all of Christine's you know, dreams come true. 
um, in a way that gets it out to the retailers all on time mm -hmm. and dealing with a lot of those types of manufacturing issues. So it's candy, so it's fun, but it's still manufacturing. I'm still making a whole bunch of uh, widgets that people buy in right. the market, um, and I've got a lot of tight timelines. So, But I, I really, really enjoy what I do um, and definitely couldn't imagine doing anything else. And uh, I'm super grateful for the opportunity that I've been given uh, by my wife to you know, le help lead the company. And I have to ask this, what is your favorite candy from the company? Let's see. <laughs> He's got to think about it. Wow. Yeah. I know my favorite if I, if I get well, to go ahead. first. Well, you go ahead. Okay, chocolate-covered potato chips. Ooh, Those yeah. have been floating around the office for that a recent sounds... project that we're working on, and, yeah, yeah they are very addictive. They, they are really good. Uh, as far as what we manufacture, I, I'm a big cotton candy guy. Okay. I do actually really like cotton candy a lot. Any, any flavors... Uh, that melt in your mouth uh, nostalgia yeah. that you have about yeah. it. It's it's just a really cool item that we do. Uh, and then we also, um, any of the chocolate-covered items, the chocolate-covered pretzel rods that we do, I, I like those a lot as well. I wanted to ask you, are they gluten-free? The pretzel rods are not, no. But no. is your is your oh, place? Is the facility. We do have gluten-free certification on certain products. Okay, because my son and I, that's the only thing we can get. So I'm thinking, like, I wonder if she's got okay, any candy yeah, I can eat. I can hook you up. Okay. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> With thing. some things, yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for, for weighing in on that. But you're going to be here today speaking uh, this afternoon. Let's see. What time are you speaking from? Uh, I'm looking here. I see. It looks like you're going to be in front of Armstrong Hall handing out free cotton candy today from 1.30 to 3.30. So anybody listening, uh, you want to go by there and check that out. And then you're having uh, chocolate taste testing happening outside of Ostrander Auditorium starting at 2 p.m. until the event begins. And the event is at, what it is, what time is 3 30. it? 3.30. 3.30, where you're going to be talking. So anybody could come to the Ostrander Auditorium. And then I saw something about the first 100 attendees who arrive will receive a Maud Borup candy gift. Ooh, Can what? I say what it is, or is it a, is it a well, surprise? They'll probably like, well, yeah. What is it? It's it's a twelve ounce gummy remote. What? <laughs> so what? I don't. <laughs> it I, is a it is an oversized gummy in the oh. shape of a gaming controller. No way. Oh yeah. What? Oh yeah. It's it's a good gift. <laughs> that seems like <laughs> so. A, show up. It'll be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds hilarious. I, my my husband just uh, texted me and said I'm getting hungry. <laughs> oh cute. <laughs> he might I love be out it. there. So what can people expect? They can come to the Ostrander Auditorium. It's a free, open to the public event. And if, like I said, the first 100 people get a free candy gift, but then they can hear you talk from 3.30 till, I don't know how long you're going to talk, but as part of the Richard Smith's Food Entrepreneurship Lecture Series, what can we expect? Yeah, so Brenda Flannery reached out uh, a year ago and asked about me speaking at this event. And um, I said, you know, I don't want to just show up and speak. Like, mm -hmm. let's turn this into an interactive program with the okay. students. So. We came up with a program we launched in semester one with 124 uh, IBE students, and we gave them the great candy challenge. So we put them into categories of chocolate, cotton candy, and gummy, and had them come up with the next big candy item. Okay. So from that, we selected a winner, and then semester two with a smaller group of students, we did a deep dive on that idea. There were three teams um, that have come up with essentially a prototype to manufacture. And they will be showcasing that outside of Ostrander Auditorium before the event starts. 
Um, we're having a People's Choice Award, so everybody's able to vote on what they think is their favorite of the three options, and they will be giving out tasting samples that have to do with something that's a part of their project. So a flavor profile or a type of chocolate, those will be what they'll be handing out. So it's been just a really fun, interactive year with the students. So we really wanted to highlight them at this event. Um, Karen will be talking about the program that we did. Um, we'll announce who the People's Choice Award winner is. And then um, Brenda will be doing a fireside chat with Randy and I for 30 minutes just to talk about what it's like to have a family-owned business, right? Um, what challenges we face. And we just really wanted to be relatable. You know, we're, we grew up in small towns and kind of have built a business from the ground up. So, um, you know, anybody can do it. So I think more than anything, we just wanted to kind of talk about our journey, um, the challenges we face, the fun that we have together, you know, running a business with your best friend. Um, and that is what our fireside chat will be. That will be wonderful. So it, again, that is this afternoon in the Ostrander Auditorium. You can park in the sunken lot in front of the uh, Centennial Student Union, but there's also going to be uh, free cotton candy on uh, coming at 1.30 to 3.30. Students, if anybody's listening, that'll be in front of Armstrong Hall in the mall. And then otherwise, be one of the first 100, 100. Uh, attendees to arrive. You'll get a Mod Borup candy gift, which sounds pretty cool, and then the chocolate taste testing. By the way, you have these students doing this project. Are any of those going to be incorporated into your business? That is a good question. I mean, we've been spreading the word, and my team is actually up doing an open house right now speaking with students. Okay. Um, so we are currently looking for an intern at our Plymouth office, looking primarily for a student to help in the test kitchen. So, yes, I think it opened up our eyes to opportunities um, for uh, us to get students more involved. And we do have um, an internship program that we do. Um, for engineering at our La Center facility. So, what type of engineering? It is uh, a, anyone with an engineering background. Okay. So, I think they've been working about two days a week, um, really helping to uh, lay out our lines of any new equipment that's coming in, but um, also doing maintenance schedules and um, and different things like that. If there is one piece of advice you would give students, knowing that you are a graduate here of Minnesota State from 1998 and how you became a successful business person, what might that be? It's never exactly the right time to take the leap. Um, so you just you have to push yourself outside your comfort level. And I think that we do that almost on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, you got to do things that are hard. Um, so I think pushing yourself, if, if there's an opportunity to get a job at a company that is gonna be a stepping stone for you for the future, but you don't like the hours, you should really think about that. Like that job is really important and you have to value that over maybe not wanting to work those hours. Um, so surrounding yourself with people that you wanna be like is really important along the way. And um, pretty soon people that you've aspired to be like are your friends and you're hanging out with them and you're in similar circles. and. Um, it's just a great place to be when you feel like you're, you've kind of found, paved your own way and, and found your, your way there. I wish I had more time to chat with you. You're very interesting. And we have been uh, chatting with Christine Lantinen. Did I say that right? Correct. Uh, Maud Borup, a candy industry here based in southern Minnesota in Le Center. 
and it just sounds like a wonderful family organization and it sounds like you're going to have a great day and I hope people can get out and enjoy and taste testing some of your your product and learning more about it. What is a website if people want to learn more about your company? Yes, I, I want to say quick, so the, the oh, sure. candy that's being handed out, we have like a thousand samples of candy we're giving out. Oh, There's going to be a giant truck oh. that looks like candy. So look for the giant <laughs> truck Okay. and um, some of my team members will be there handing candy out. So that. Oh, they moved inside. Oh, they moved inside because okay, of the rain so, and snow, right? Okay, okay gotcha. Got so the you. truck also be parked outside, though, so they'll see yeah. it as kind of an It's icon. like a big candy, kind of like it's the Wienermobile, except it's candy. Totally. Okay. And <laughs> we call it the Taminator because we named it after Tammy, who was our first employee in okay. the center. So look for Tammy there. She will be um, happily handing candy samples out. Um, our website, uh, modborup.com. Um, yeah, if you just Google Mod Borup, you should be able to find us. And just thank you to everyone at the university. Like all of the fun things that we did um, could not have been done without the support of the university. Shane Bauer, um, Gary, um, you know, down to Vice President Stanley and President Inch, just being supportive of, of us being interactive with sure. the students led to this just kind of amazing adventure that we've been on for for the throughout the school year so um just thank you to everyone and i don't want to forget the marketing team um at mnsu they've put a lot of time into video and you know getting students out to the facilities to see what we do and so on and so forth so so just thank you to everyone happy to be here and look forward to seeing everybody at 3 30. Christine, thank you so much. It's been a delight to have you on the show, and good luck. And uh, we'll keep watching for your candy, and I hope some folks can get out and enjoy it. Thank you. All right, bye-bye.